difference between citta mano and vijnana? What is the difference between citta mano and vijnana? Just wonder what exactly this answer will help you with. So it's important to know what gets liberated, so that's important, that's citta. Citta, which is, uh, gets stained, obscured, uh, wanders through through lifetimes this is what it's described as reckless uh, causes one uh, cause a lot of damage needs to be trained he's trained becomes beautiful nothing could give one so much happiness as a well-trained citta Nothing could do one so much harm as an untrained jitta. Formerly my jitta was like a wild elephant, sometimes it said. <laughs> so this uh, various ways in which this term is used. If you refuse this answer this question I'll split your jitta. <laughs> this jitta has run out. So, what is this? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> As a direct experience. So, perhaps it might be useful to try to get this as something that is a practical experience. If we use this, the word me, I keep saying the word me. What does that refer to? What does that word, when you say me, what does that land on? What does that point to? Me. When we say the word I, I want, I go, I like, I dislike, what what is this I? What is this me? What is it pointing to? Was the word when you use the word where does your mind where's your where's your attention go? Where does your attention go? It goes to your chitta. So this chitta seems to be a self. Uh, but when you say the word me and you look at where that goes to you find what kind of a maybe a moment pause and then various thoughts start moving around me and then we it, it seems to stick onto a memory or a, a personality or a, a mood me 
So, so, you get, so things, these uh, experiences stick to this citta. Moods stick to it. Memories stick to it. And yet you recognize everything that sticks to it also dissolves. Yet the sense of me remains. And yet things stick to it. Then they move away and now something else sticks to it. So the me is not things that stick to it, but that which is stuck to. This is one way of looking at jitta that which is affected by clinging, stuck to. It's I, it sticks to actions, intentions. I do, I think, I see. It sticks to actions, intentions. Is the I see, is that the same I as the eye that walks or the eye that is annoyed or the eye that is hungry aren't they somewhat different? so it it sticks to a range of experiences and yet none of these experiences is permanent the sense of eye has no object, no quality other than for an ordinary being, it is stuck to the sense of me has no substance except for an ordinary being, things stick to it. This is chitta. You can't see it, but you can see what's stuck to it. And what does it stick to? It sticks to volition, intention. It sticks to consciousness, seeing. Seeing, I see. In seeing, I see. So it sticks to consciousness. Consciousness is the act of seeing, the act of thinking, the act of touching, tasting. It's an action that brings visual objects arise that then stick to me. Right. So there's all this stuck quality that uh, occurs and within that something we never quite see because there's always something stuck to it. (laughs) But if you keep contemplating whatever is stuck shifts and changes is not satisfactory is not a permanent entity then gradually the stuck things don't stick so hard and there's something more open peaceful this too is citta so the citta that is unstuck the Buddha said there's nothing more sublime than this it's called the purified citta citta that has lost its tendency to stick or get stuck and 
Victoria, and by the purification of citta, one is called Buddha. So this expression is used also. The purification of citta, one is called Buddha. That's a pretty nice thing to be called, isn't it? (laughs) Better than most things one's called, anyway. (laughs) I'll settle for that. Uh, And another phrase, the jitta, which is not stuck on anything, is called deathless. This is deathlessness, the jitta that does not stick to seeing or actions. So this also, deathless, that's a very uh, inspiring possibility. This jitta. So it definitely uh, adheres to intentions, to impulses, it adheres to consciousness, it adheres to perceptions. Perceptions stick to it, feelings stick to it. When a feeling sticks to it, it trembles. Feeling sticks to it, it trembles. It trembles and it generates uh, uh, an intention, a reaction, a response to that feeling. This is jitta. And as long as it's doing this, it's stuck. And stuck jitta, yeah, yeah. According to the suttas, teachings of the Buddha, stays at. Uh, this experience, pen, uh, bodies stick to it, consciousness stick to it, and consciousness drops away, the activities of consciousness drop away at the end of lifespan, new consciousness, sets of consciousness sticks to it. So this is called the transmigration, but actually the, you could say the jitta goes through life after life, but you could also say that life after life lands on it sticks to it, whatever life is. So in this way sometimes some teachers say, well, you know, this jitta is actually doesn't die, it's there, and different lives and experiences phenomena stick to it till it's given up stick getting stuck to it. And the jitter that's getting stuck to doesn't have to keep having lifetime stuck on it. Therefore it's called deathless. Because if you life is a process of birth and death, isn't it? So if you get a life slapped on it, that life arises, moves, brings perceptions, feelings, consciousness, yeah, and then death. This goes on. <laughs> Yeah, so the big picture is as long as there's that stuck uh, quality, then this is what happens. Jitta doesn't die. Uh, and that's uh, both, can, you know, sometimes you wish it would. <laughs> but it keeps going. Uh, so I, I, you know, this is my understanding of the uh, what the term refers to. Mm-hmm.
conscious uh, mano is a little, perhaps a little more easy to fathom. Mano is to do with measuring. So if we see this word here, I looked at that chant we were doing this evening, Appamano, not measure, beyond measure. Yeah, so mano is to do with measuring, it's also associated with mana, which means to con- conceiving, and manyati, to conceive. So it's something that measures, conceives, brings up notions, thoughts, Thoughts measure things. We can measure things with a thought, can't we? We can say that's six, seven, um, that's big, that's small. Yeah. We label. Labels give things measurement, uh, definition. Um, so this measuring experience, that's is, is mano, yeah, generally associated with thinking. The natural way of measuring things is through thought, ideas, concepts. And mano is um, more fully understood uh, as mano vijnana, the mind consciousness or the measuring consciousness, this immaterial quality that or activity that keeps bringing up definitions, measurements, designations, conceiving. That's manol. Very much associate mood connected to consciousness. Consciousness is that which brings a sight. Visual consciousness, you have an eye organ, and that eye organ when it functions something arises that uh, when it's life when it's alive and functioning is endowed with the, what's called the element or the property of consciousness eye consciousness it's a datu um, so this property has the ability to detect visual things, so it brings a visual experience into one's citta. It brings a tactile experience into one's citta. brings an auditory experience into one's citta. This is consciousness, bringing something in. brings something in is contact. Contact Contact perception arises, feeling arises, jitta is stirred. As it's stirred, it responds, it's affected. Confused jitta then searches for another consciousness. It runs out into consciousness. Having seen something, it runs out into thinking about it. Having tasted something, it runs out into thinking about it. And so it goes from one runs from one consciousness to another, rather like a, a creature running from one room in a house to another room, looking for where's the way out. And it keeps running into um, to these different consciousnesses. Yeah, in a way they trap rabbits. 
and you put the rabbit warren you know what a rabbit warren is a place where rabbits live under the ground you've got these holes, rabbit holes and so you might have six holes and they put nets over the holes and then they send a terrier, a little dog down one of the rabbit holes and the rabbits run out and they run into the net This is what jitta does. <laughs> it runs into the net of consciousness, runs out into another sight, a sound, most often a thought. It runs. Yeah. So this running out is called asawa, outflow. Uh, flows out, it's its habit, it's the flow out the sights, the sounds, thoughts particularly thoughts because there's so many possibilities with the, with the thought you know, future, past, things we can fantasize, imagine and so as it runs out into the mind consciousness Mono is very happy to keep presenting more and more ideas and thoughts to run out to so it runs from one to the other it doesn't notice that all this running around is rather stressful in fact it, it, the ignorant jitter doesn't know there's anything else to do except run <laughs> doesn't really get it because it, it doesn't, if it's not running into something it feels like what's going on you know so, you know, the only uh, refuge for jitta is to turn to itself. And turn to itself rather than running it out into consciousness. So, this is not a sight or a sound or a thought. Where there's no sight, no sound, no thought. Mm then this is called deathless where the jitta doesn't run out and there's no way that can be described because that would be a thought uh, but the Buddha says this is experienceable and so again these are interesting possibilities yeah. but what counts is to begin to experience the stress of running out into consciousness, growing a little weary of it uh, and beginning to moderate the running out so these we run into helpful places, good places and we begin to sense that which is running this jitta and we have a sense of compassion and care for it and calming it and soothing it and then gradually training it, look the places you're running to are nets they're not escapes, they're nets they're not treasures, they're nets <laughs> they're traps, they're running you know, why don't you, you know? so just training it and eventually if it begins to notice this it starts to begin to first of all recognize there's such a thing as patience 
its own qualities, is patience. Oh, I could turn to that instead. Certain qualities of, of jitta have beauty in them. So jitta first begins to turn towards its own beauties, its patience, its love, its sense of virtue. These are not just ideas, these are definite jitta properties. Jitta is not completely crazy. Yeah. It's not completely deluded, otherwise there'd be no realization. It's just it gets confused. So as it turns towards its own qualities, it's beginning to get on the right track. Turns towards patience, turns towards virtue, turns towards kindness, turns towards wisdom, discernment, contemplating. So this is definitely the direction. And with some skill and some practice it begins to turn towards what's called the deathless property, the deathless element. And this also is a property, quality, that's uh, rarely recognized, that's present in citta. Part somewhere in citta, again the language is must be just clumsy but the language well, you say you could say there's a place in the chitta that doesn't move doesn't come or go but it's not because it's not moving around the uh, attention which is used to moving around and seeing things that move and experiencing things that have passion uh, delight uh, pleasure aversion it doesn't notice the bit that doesn't move <laughs> yeah. but we might say well so as a suggestion what is it that knows the movement and again it's just the suggestion a question it's not I'm not looking for a word or an answer it's not that kind of a question it's a question just used to direct one's attention. What is it that knows, is aware of the movement? You know, if you be, if you get the, the you know, you know, so just try to to you know get little topics of your mind and your, your consciousness that are very simple things, like rather than hair on my head or my cousin's birthday or what I'm going to cook for dinner just contemplate oh this is a sense of um, expectation and try to get it down to sim- simpler and simpler and simpler qualities then there's less detail less um, this detail to deal with you get down to very simple qualities this is the sense of wanting it's a sense of not wanting. You feel this pull, push, pull. It gets quite simple. Um, this process, simplification, is a careful process, careful attention, wanting, not wanting. You know, if we uh, cultivate like this, the idea of wisdom is to simplify everything down to the, to the fundamental roots of experience. 
which is also the direction of samadhi to get to the roots of experience it's rather like if we have a tree yeah, with a thousand leaves on it leaves, this is my cousin's birthday this is uh, can you go out to buy tomorrow this is this strange experience of having meditation this is the book I'm reading this is uh, my you know, my romantic interest this is my health issue so you've got these thousands of leaves on them every one of them ripples and shifts and you know, trembles like in the wind you try and go around picking all those leaves off can be very busy because it keeps sprouting more. So instead of going picking the leaves, you just chop the tree down, <laughs> and the whole thing comes down in one go. And the tree is ignorance, <laughs> but if you can't get down, then at least cut the branches off. This is greed. This is hatred. This is delusion. <laughs> yeah. So because it's like that, big trunk ignorance then smaller branches and then smaller branches if you can deal with the leaves it's a lot of things and you get so busy it gets complicated so for it really because there's a you know to simplify to simplify 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 you know you can get through this process much more quickly this is the express route it doesn't mean going faster it means going more wisely it's not about going faster it's about perhaps going more slowly so you really see the main point Mm. there it is clinging the main point could be called clinging the sticky whether you're stuck to an opinion you're stuck to a flavour, you're stuck to a house. Doesn't that's just details, the stuck quality. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, this is way Chitto Manovinana, these are uh, could be useful ways to to bearing things to bear in mind. Remember Chitta, that which is stuck to, that which is obscured, that which runs around impulsively, recklessly, that which can be trained, that which also is a source of virtue, it's not completely crazy, that which is a source of barami, it's not completely messed up, but it is obscured. So this is this sense, heart, soul, you know, whatever words useful for you um, and then you know whether it goes through lifetimes or death or whatever is perhaps for most of us speculation but it is very it's the only important thing is jitta to be treasured, to be cared for everything else has to fit in with that attention to the space not content for wisdom 
the mind becomes less contracted as samadhi deepens does this mean in first jhana one-pointedness of mind is not narrowing down the mind to one point but a sense of the mind is unified in spaciousness a sense of freedom and nothing moves in the stillness of the space well, I don't know how, what can be what is useful in this question but uh, um, not content well all content you know has the, so there's a sense of which you know, content is, has its value that's, that's the stuff the, the dhammas that arise and so we want to handle those in a space that's wise so it doesn't mean just only having space it means space spaciousness to be able to handle and manage and contemplate and realize and liberate content now content another way of expressing that is old karma this is the so this is the most thing we need to free up old karma which means habits uh, obsessions compulsions phobias addictions set patterns things that seem to be me that occupy me that become stuck and familiar now if we only have the space we don't really deal with that if you only have the content you just obsess in it so wisdom functions when there is enough space to be able to return or engage with this content in a way that sees it for what it is and begins to loosen the reactivity the attachment the fascination the disgust the obsession the ownership so it's aware accepts does not adopt does not reject so that's that's the place of wisdom now um, you know so most people will certainly benefit from lessening how much content there is how much stuff is going on they will they will benefit from that because so much stuff you don't you know you can't really get steady so most people will find benefit in steadying and this is the principle of sati sati mindfulness is that which holds things steady stops distractedness as that strengthens it begins to uh, resist the push of what are called hindrances and these hindrances keep throwing content in they throw ill will in <laughs> so your content your mind is always filling up because these hindrances keep throwing more material into your awareness right? so ill will throws dis- the unlikable into our awareness you understand so we may think there are all kinds of unlikable things well yeah but how come they come into your awareness when you're sitting there where where are they how come they, something's throwing them in there 
that's called ill will. It's an energy that keeps throwing unlikable objects into your mind, into your awareness. Sense desire keeps throwing uh, craveable objects into your mind. You may well think, or oh, craveable objects are in town, there are craveable objects in the restaurant, there are craveable objects in the next country, there are craveable objects. They're not. The craveable objects are in your mind. <laughs> and they're thrown there by this quality called craving. So these two examples of these hindrances. So mindfulness stops that. It says, no, stay with this uh, meditation theme, this simple object, breathing in, breathing out, or space, or awareness, or metta, whatever, you stay with it, and you stay with it, for sure as you stay with it, then these hindrances get a bit frisky. Hey, hey, she's getting away, we don't want that. Here, have that, throwing things in to get you stirred up again. Doesn't like chitta to get released. So as soon as it starts to steady, stop running, these hindrances get nervous. They don't like that sense of steadiness. So they start throwing all this stuff in pretty quick. And this is the experience of the meditator. Yeah, the meditator is the craziest person. You didn't realize how crazy you could be until you meditated. <laughs> because once Mara gets the suggestion, hey, she's getting out, don't like that, it starts throwing all this stuff in. <laughs> but Sati says, no, that's just a thought, that's just an image, that's just a feeling, that's just an impression, that's all it is. It's nothing, it's just nothing. It's just colourful nothing, <laughs> you know. Uh, so that sati holds it, and then wisdom begins to understand this stuff is just nothing more than agitation. That's the only real experience you get. It's stirred. How good is that? <laughs> yeah. So these two qualities, mindfulness and what's sampajano, which is the you know, awareness or active kinds of wisdom in time, as their process uh, continues, the mind steadies because it's not getting things thrown into it, that begins to pass away, mind steadies still. And this then this experience of samadhi. It's accompanied by qualities of inner. A jitta feels happy because it's not getting things thrown into it. Its own natural joy arises because it's not getting other stuff occupying it. So the innate qualities of jitta, its happiness comes up. First of all, it's quite excited. So it experiences something called piti. Piti is likened to the experience one would have if one is crossing a desert and you see a lake in the distance. Oh, you get excited. Happiness. And then, uh, so the sense of, yeah, 
And when the hindrances are passing away, one feels a sense of, oh, this fresh air. Oh, it's just there, coming out of a smoky room. As it is, coming out of a crowded place, there's the space. Jitta gets a little bit excited and happy, piti. Uh, and as we get closer to that quality, the, the citta feels more satisfied. He's drinking the water. He experiences something called sukha, he comfort, ease. With this, it settles down. This is called samadhi. Now, <clears throat> no, that's one way of describing it, perhaps figuratively. Then uh, you know. So. With that sense, if the jitter isn't moving around, then um, yeah, there's only one point, which is the place of not moving. Now the problem with the word point is is we always we know what points are. They're sharp, narrow things like needles, nails have points to them. So. So we always assume it must be a very narrow, pointy thing. Mm. Yeah. But it really means the principle, the most important, the chief. So you have a monk here called, comes here, Agachitta, who founded this place. Do you call him pointy? <laughs> I don't think he'd like that. He said, hey, pointy head, <laughs> pointy chitta, like a spike. No, I don't think that's a, that's a very uh, nice description of a person. You might say, oh, it's the supreme, or the most central, or the, the king, or the leader, the dominant, the thing that we... You know, is, you know, so this is perhaps better. The, so, Chit-Aga, Ek-Agata, one supremeness, or one abiding feature, or one dominant quality. And the dominant quality is just the sense of unity. Yeah. Now you can't really measure that in terms like narrow point, big point. It's like saying, how big is your happiness? Is it a little ha- Is it six feet wide? Or is it two meters wide? Or is it three centimeters wide? What are you talking about? You can't measure it like that. <laughs> It's just wide. It feels feels steady, you know. So this ek uh, agata uh, means everything is unified. Uh, so when it's unified in stillness, the mind isn't creating measurements. <laughs> to, to create measurements, the mind has to keep moving. So you can't measure it as small or large because the mind isn't measuring anything. That's why it's still. But it just feels like there's nothing else but this. Now that quality could feel probably quite spacious in that it's free from these obstructions, stuff getting thrown into it. It could feel still in that it isn't agitated. It could feel happy because it's relieved. All these qualities, certain happiness, certain freedom, spaciousness, these are all uh, qualities that one may experience in the sense of samadhi. Uh, 
Now in terms of its first jhana, second jhana, this I think is probably uh, you know, the degree of it. So it's, it's, it seems pretty still, it's just enough action there to hold it there. And as it gets stiller, the actions of holding it there are not necessary. As it gets more contented, the sense of the kind of bubbly or suffusive quality of the happiness also begins to die down because it's contented, it's satisfied. What's always there is sati, mindfulness. Is there. Yeah. And these are defined by people who track this process very carefully, experts in it as different jhanas, one, two, three, four. Um, yeah. But in terms of your own experience, you wouldn't think too much about these numbers because you get into measuring again and then your mind is agitated. Just just experience the sense of whatever's quiet, stiller, more comfortable, more at ease, more innately in your jitta rather than added to it. Innately the quality of uh, something there, intimate, that's uh, uplifted. Just go there, stay with that, appreciate it, give it time to mature and ripen. It must be for your welfare and it will deepen. Uh, and the jitta feels satisfied, it doesn't keep running out. And that also is an indication of, of samadhi. In fact, you know, that's the main thing, what you want to call it, what you want to call it, you can call it anything, if you like, call it banana. <laughs> it's what it feels like that's important, what it, what it doesn't do, doesn't run out, that's good enough, because you're not suffering through that running out. The only thing to just bear in mind with, with samadhi, with this is a certain process that the citta has steadied and stabilized. And in that experience, the sense consciousness is less able to throw things into it. You know, because it's, you know, it's, the citta isn't going out into consciousness, therefore it's, it's not so accessible to sights and sounds. In fact, it's deep, then you know sights and sounds stay you know are either barely perceivable or not perceivable, and thoughts as they quieten down. So these consciousnesses are, are the chitta seems to move beyond the range of these levels of consciousness. Yeah. But of course we come out of samadhi, we come back into the range of sense consciousness. So, you know, the thing we really have to uh, recognize that one of the benefits is realizing that, you can, that that can happen, that sense consciousness is not a final statement of where you are. You could go to other places that are better. So this certainly, you know, begins to calm your appetite for things in the sensory world because this is well it's it's better and it's, it's free 
so you think, well, it's happier and freer. So definitely, sensory world is less interesting, second rate. And that's that's useful. Still, we have to return to that. Then we return, perhaps, with a sense of dispassion to that. Mm-hmm. So that's an advantage of samadhi. The mind has become regenerated through these quali- through its own qualities, its happiness, its strength. It feels refreshed. You charge your batteries. This also is an advantage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you must you will return to this realm of sense consciousness. So you can't you know, you know, just hankering for samadhi again. Uh, means you have to deal with this impact of sense consciousness, but with dispassion, with a sense of disinterest, so that the excitement about it, or the feeling threatened by it, much less, always goes somewhere else. And therefore, one, one's wisdom capacity can handle sense consciousness with a little more dispassion. It's this sight, sound like this, like this and this is really where the citta learns to uh, to finish its business with consciousness you've had enough (laughs) so it's in the presence of these uh, at least of mind consciousness particularly where we've had enough it's not aversion, it's just mute parties over. <laughs> you know, had enough. And so, you know, when we cultivate, it's really good to, you know, come out of the meditation and just see what, what still gets you activated there's your learning place still activated by this, that, this, that okay, that's the place to learn, contemplate it don't get disappointed own up okay, you're still this is something that still has got some attraction or aversion to it, that's the place you okay, let's look at, really look at that you know get the idea Okay, now what is it that where the stuck is the fascination, the aversion, yeah. and the degree uh, contemplations, a strengthening of jitta begins to see these qualities as seeing fascination is a drug, aversion is a poison. You know, I've got no problem with sights and sounds. That's that's just that's what consciousness does. But this fascination stuff is a drug. This aversion is poison. Yeah. Couldn't I just let it come and go <laughs> instead? The sights and sounds wouldn't that be? Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, I'm just verbalizing a bit, but that's that's kind of uh, um, you know. That's the process. So look carefully.
through the sights, the colours, the shapes, the promises, the stuck isn't so much the sights and the sounds and the tastes. Step back from that little, notice the fascination or the aversion. There's, there's the stuck. Couldn't the sight just find? What is it that sticks? Mm-hmm. So this is uh, the, the, the role of wisdom. It's not the role of samadhi. Samadhi doesn't do that. Samadhi unifies, wisdom separates, and the two work together. So, wisdom gives the strength, as Samadhi gives the strength, and it reminds the jitta of its own beauty. So, you know, so you don't need this stuff. Look, you got all this lovely stuff there, and then. Wisdom says, okay, because of this now you can look at that with a sense of, really? Is that so good? Stuck. Wisdom can see there's the sight and there's the stuck. (laughs) There's the the glue. And the glue is something that we're adding to it. Sights itself don't have it. Visual objects don't have it. It's something that confusion uh, gives to them and we need to take responsibility for that not to blame the world for having sights and sounds in it something jitta leaks this glue (laughs) this is called asava asava means something that flows out it's it's something that uh, I think the word comes from like a tree. When a tree had a disease, it would ooze this kind of sticky sap. Yeah. When the tree was diseased, it would break open, so this sticky stuff would come out. <laughs> so the Buddha said, that's like what your mind does. <laughs> it breaks and it oozes this sticky stuff onto sights and sounds. <laughs> Now, if the jitta knows what it's like to feel, you know, not cracked open, but secure, then something you you, you can sense, you know that, and you know it's it's uh, uh, when that sticking happens, something hasn't there's a crack there, of under, in terms of one's clarity or one's wisdom. <clears throat> okay, so last question. So I'm kind of going to detail because I want to sort of try to make these questions perhaps lead into something, um, you know, elucidate a little bit more. Here we have a question on somebody's asking about. Oh dear. Integrate spiritual practice into our worldly life, including one's work. This person has been given a chance to be a manager 
involves substantial people and conflict management. But I hesitate because I deem it as creating a lot of pressure for myself and disturbing the peace. Is it possible to incorporate spiritual development into a managerial position? Or do you prefer to avoid the pressure of a managerial role so I have less unnecessary complexities in my spiritual path? Well, thing you know, you take on things like that, then one should be uh, have some awareness, some of what that involves, and uh, what it's what's worthwhile. So I certainly would praise uh, any actions associated with service, where one serves because one feels something is worthy of service and then okay it's pressure but I'm serving so in some ways I've been in managerial roles for much of my life as a monk been managing monasteries managing 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 retreats and so forth but then I do sense it uh, certainly it's a pressure Uh, it's by no means all associated with pleasant feeling (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, one sees it as service and one says, okay, it's a good chance to develop patience or to develop goodwill or to develop clarity or to develop honesty. So I can use this as an occasion. It's not going to be calm. It's not going to be uh, easy going. It's going to take some work, but I can use it to strengthen I can use it to be less uh, to be to serve them for the welfare of others now if you undertake anything with that spirit and it allows you to operate in that spirit I would say that the disturbance is worthwhile if it if it's just one where you're constantly pressurized not into into just uh, you know by unpleasant people you don't want to associate with, who don't have respect, who don't have precepts, who don't, uh, uh, then I think one should be cautious, because they won't treat you well. Uh, You know, and they'll exploit you. And sure, you know, when you serve, people don't always treat you well. But it's often because they're confused, they don't understand, but people who who deliberately exploit you, you should not allow that. So if you can, if you want to be in a managerial position, then you recognize this is the hot spot. You want to set up some terms. You understand? Contract. Yeah. Definitely. Don't go in like a lamb to the slaughter. (laughs) Set up a contract. I do this, I don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I do this at this time, not that time. I expect this, uh, I need this, I expect this, uh, otherwise I'm not playing. So set up some contract, and if you, people who will, you can negotiate a contract with, or say, okay, then they're worth working with. They expect you just to go in completely open, blank check if you like. Then you're going to get 
um, duped and misused. If you can establish a contract, contract is to look after your, your own, respect yourself, don't be used. This would be my advice. Right livelihood is very significant feature of the path and uh, it's challenging find right livelihood but at least to you know you've got to make some money you've got to get your bills paid and so forth fair enough but right livelihood so certainly you're going to avoid livelihood that's directly about you know dealing in weapons or drugs or abusing animals or something like that but also right livelihood means you're not burning yourself out so it keeps you alive rather than just a kind of you know dumb slave <laughs> and uh, so definitely a contract is necessary that safeguards you from being abused <coughs> Then you take the pressure as, okay, this is grist for the mill. You know that expression? This is just stuff to work with. This is the feeling of being challenged or not getting results. Patience, patience, patience. And if it's, then you can work with that. Okay, that's enough for tonight. Thank you.